Hey, I'm Tracy Alexander and welcome home. This is episode one of Home of Sapiens and it's the beginning of a beautiful journey together to learn more about how to feel at home inside of ourselves and safe in our world. Home of Sapiens is a place we come to feel better about the world. It's a place to talk about real life in a way that gives us hope that we can move in the right direction. I'm a meditation and alignment coach, and I teach the same tools that helped me through some of the hardest parts of my life. Because we're not here to suffer. We're here to learn, love, grow, and thrive. And that's what this podcast will help us do. So where do we start? Well, I moved into the world of healing in part as a reaction to working in the news industry for a decade. As the host of a nightly primetime show in the Middle East, I filled the screens with heartbreaking images and headlines rife with conflict, which caused me to ask, what are these stories a reflection of? This is a world of people in fear and fear has hijacked our hardware. And that's not how we need to feel. So fight fire with water, I said. And that's when I shifted my focus from the outside world to the inside world. What can we do? Well, we can start right here at home with us as individuals, healing our own limiting beliefs and perceptions and restoring our bodies and souls so that we can be the best version of ourselves. And from there, we can give our best. Now, before we dive in, let's set our intention. Series one of Home of Sapiens is about resilience. We're looking for ways to find more peace, joy, and courage, no matter what chaos and terror we face or see around us. This podcast is about life and the conflicts we live through and the determination to continue. So let's breathe in, breathe out, move out of fear and into our hearts. This is Home of Sapiens. Today's episode is about the courage to disengage. It's about letting go of a relationship, a person or a place. Now, I had no idea that by the time I'd come to launch this podcast, I'd be going through my very own resilience story. Episode one wasn't going to be about me, but uh, part of life is being flexible and responding to the need of the time and showing up in a way that is relevant. And so it felt appropriate to start talking about how we go through hard things by talking about the hard thing that I'm currently going through. And I want to set a ground rule that I believe we need to give ourselves, which is that there is no right or wrong. All there is to guide us is a truthful and honest look at what is sustainable or tenable for us at every moment, because we are all working it out and we're all learning but we are living this one life. And if you are identifying suffering in your life, there are ways of cultivating courage and practicing bravery and using our 
supreme intelligence and consciousness to live a life of inner freedom. The first step, though, is always honesty. And the key to freedom is compassion, both for yourself and others, and vulnerability. Now, I did consider spending a bit more time integrating this recent change in my life before sharing about it, because I think it's very important to respect your process, respect your own boundaries, and only to share about deep matters of the heart when it feels right to you. But I'm also about showing up as you are, where you are, and being vulnerable enough to speak from where you currently sit, not being ashamed of how it is that you're receiving and processing a moment, and to share this process in its raw and real unfolding in a very human way, because I'm open to the reality that things will change. I will learn and I will grow and I will feel differently and reflect differently at a different time. And because I've cultivated a deep inner trust in myself, that's why I do feel comfortable knowing that my feelings and my reflections will change and that I'll be able to address that then if I feel it's appropriate, but then I'm also okay to share things now from the place that I'm currently sitting. And the reason I also want to share this story now is to walk the talk because I also think that in our efforts to try and get things perfect the first time, we limit ourselves and slow down the learning process because we're afraid that we'll be judged if we put something out um, and then we change our mind or we turn around, we pull out, we don't follow through on what we'd said. And that's why in many areas, we don't do the thing. We stop ourselves. We don't publish the book. We don't release the song. We don't start the podcast. We don't try for that new job. We don't start that new relationship because we're not giving ourselves permission to try fully and then decide, nope, I've changed my mind. Maybe we're so concerned with what other people will say or what that means about us if we decide to discontinue with something. But think about it. There are many books out there that are updated over the years, songs that are remastered, and results of scientific studies that are corrected once new information is uncovered. So I truly believe that we have to go fully, with full conviction, while also be willing to say, nope, that wasn't the right direction that I wanted to go. And that's how we get clearer about what we do want to do or where we do want to go. It's how we mature and how we continue to elevate. It's by throwing ourselves fully into the game because that's all it is, the game of life. So from where I'm sitting, play hard, play on, keep going. The worst that can happen is you learn something. And that speaks perfectly to how I decided to call off my engagement to my ex-fiance. It was not an easy decision. And I still, I mean, it's very fresh. I'm recording this a week after the decision was made. And I still allow myself to cry whenever I feel like crying and allow myself to have moments of self-doubt whenever they creep in and then allow myself to go back into my knowing whenever that needs to happen. 
And it really wasn't an easy decision. In fact, I gave that relationship my absolute all. And I truly believe that you have to go as far as feels right for you so that you can truly say, I'm totally comfortable that I left nothing on the table. And now it's about looking at the reality of what this is. Now, I'm not going to go into the intricacies of my past relationship because it's not relevant nor appropriate. Because I very much love my ex-fiance. I love him deeply. He is my soulmate and he has shown me to myself in a way that I will be eternally grateful for. But what I will share is about how I was able to let go of something that I love so very much. And once again, jump into an unknown situation, which can seem at the time to come with a far greater level of discomfort and risk and requires the choice to move into grief, to actively choose the pain that it's going to take in order to move into the next stage. That part is what I do want to share because we're actively choosing risk and discomfort and pain. And how do we allow ourselves to make that choice? How do we jump into the abyss? Maybe we don't know that there are other options for us, but we certainly can't find new ways by staying stuck in our old ways, doing the same things over and over again. And I'm sharing this because I know it is relevant to many of us who perhaps are choosing to stay in a situation for the fear of letting go. We're stuck in the scary worst case scenario horror movies that we play in our heads that are steeped in lack mentality and a lack of self-worth and deserving power. We have effectively surrendered to people pleasing or maintaining an illusion we're stuck in a cycle of self-recrimination. Maybe we're still living in hope with the belief that once X happens, then maybe the situation will be what we hope it will be. Maybe we aren't looking at what is. Maybe we're gaslighting ourselves and telling ourselves that maybe we shouldn't think this way or we shouldn't feel that way. We have no right to feel that way or think that way. Who are we to want those things, to think those things? Maybe we are with our big, beautiful hearts being empathetic to the extent that we are actually self-abandoning. And again, that's because we don't believe we're seeing things right or that we're allowed to expect to feel seen and supported and loved in the way that we know feels true to us. Maybe we've abandoned our divine feminine energy that allows us to receive and to be held or maybe we've abandoned the presence of the divine masculine energy that allows us to live with the safety of consistency and integrity and maturity and healthy leadership and a sturdy, reliable container. We are all worthy of being in a balanced, harmonious environment that doesn't drain, strain and limit. So we need to recognize when we're doing one or many of these things and we need to recognize when it's actually not about changing the shape of us to fit the box, but actually getting a box that allows us to grow into our natural shape. So what's stopping us? Well, 
Our belief systems are a huge part of what allows us to move into quote unquote scary situations. We need to believe in our ability to land on our feet, no matter what choice we make. We need to believe that we will be able to hold ourselves if we come to regret a decision that we feel we've made. Uh, We need to believe that we'll be able to hold ourselves if we feel we've made a mistake. We need to trust that time will heal and reveal. We need to believe that we deserve the things that we want. And we need to trust in the messages coming from our body, those alarm signals that are ringing inside of us mixed with the realities as they are, that we can often ignore because they're so inconvenient. Now, cultivating all of this is not an overnight job. In fact, we continue to refine these things as we move through life. We continue to find more space and more freedom and greater alignment and more fearlessness. Now, personally, I've been working on myself and cultivating inner freedom and resilience and trust and self-love and fearlessness and living a life of authenticity and integrity and alignment actively for at least 20 years. And oftentimes, it's those of us who hit rock bottom that are given the blessing of the awakening that this is the only way to actively get into the driver's seat and cultivate this freedom and this alignment. It's actually hitting rock bottom that causes us to begin the climb inwards to find that truth and find our liberty. And this happened to me at a really young age. And so I began this inner climb over and over and over again. And I was called to keep practicing this over and over and over again, because once you've done your first climb out from rock bottom, You're then stronger the next time. And you need to go in deeper to find a truer level of your truth. But each time we conquer a fear or do something we thought we couldn't do, we realize that we can do it. And we realize the consequence of ignoring it and not doing it. But it's important that we log that. It's important that we log every time we do conquer a fear. Because then the next time you're confronted with a scary choice or find yourself feeling like something's not possible or that you don't have the ability to make the change, then you need to be able to remind yourself that you did do it before and you can do it again and you remember the rewards that you got last time. So my ability to find the courage to make this choice, it comes from the fact that I've practiced this in smaller ways over the course of my life and proved to myself that time heals, that life is limitless, that life is an adventure and that roller coasters up and down and the scary parts and the bits that there's the in-between and the anticipation and that hanging in the balance, that that's all a part of the ride. And that when it comes to listening to my truth, it doesn't matter whether other people understand it. Plus, making the supposedly socially awkward choice actually doesn't do all the bad things you think it might. I've actually seen that the fearful thoughts that people will judge me and think that I'm a mess and a failure are just that. They're just fearful thoughts. That doesn't make them true. What I've seen is that by following my truth and having the courage to be vulnerable and saying, actually that path was amazing. 
It was beautiful and it taught me so much. In fact, it's really hard to let go, but I know that it's run its course and I'm not going to hold on to it just because it's already in play. That actually moves people. It actually personally liberates others. So if you are concerned about what others will think, which many of us are, try and take my word for it that this is the truer reality of how people respond when you're following your truth. And if they don't, that's their work. Your work is developing the courage to follow your truth. Now, if it triggers you listening to someone speaking like this or someone putting themselves out there in this way, speaking from experience, I'd say that it's just showing you a part of yourself that wishes that you had the courage to stand up for your truth too, which is a beautiful thing. But right now, it might just feel a bit too scary. And that's okay. But what can happen is if we're triggered, then in response, we begin to judge and criticize others who are doing the very thing that you secretly wish you could do too. Because otherwise it wouldn't be a trigger. It would just be about listening to another person's experience, right? And I know this because I've seen that in myself. I have felt myself in the past internally cast judgment on someone who is putting themselves out there in a way that I perceive to be awkward or flawed or imperfect or out of touch, only to realize that my judgment of them is really a judgment of myself. And that judgment of myself is actually stopping me from the exact thing that I want to do which is really not being a victim to fear of other people's opinions or having the courage to try or to back myself just to give it a go. Now, it's important to say that everything I've come to identify and now highlight for others, like I'm doing in this podcast, comes from a recognition of something that I've seen in myself along the way and have worked to heal and correct in the name of creating more freedom and deeper alignment. Because personally, I don't want to waste opportunities to engage fully in this world because of the structures of the ego. Although it is important to say that we can only implement an upgrade when we are ready to see it and do something about it, which is why I work body mind, because I do believe that the mind will find it harder to upgrade its belief systems if the body believes a different story because of the imprints that have been developed over time in our nervous system and the neural pathways that we've formed as a result of going through the stages of life, which is why you often hear me talking about my meditation practice because this specific style of meditation works on the body. It works on upgrading our nervous system and getting rid of all of those stress impressions from the past and giving the mind new opportunities and new directions for our neural pathways to run. So how did I get to this point where I was able to make a decision that is riddled with what ifs and questions as to whether I'm seeing things right or whether I'm allowed to feel the things that I'm feeling Well, first I had to heal my relationship with my own self-judgment. And I also had to heal my relationship with my own self-worth. Now, my relationship with self-judgment that wasn't completely robust 
I know came from my childhood and a codependent relationship that I developed with my mother. Because you see, children pick up a lot from what their parents are feeling. And when my dad became a quadriplegic and my mother was left with three kids under the age of nine, trying to parent to the best of her ability while fighting for her husband's dignity and comfort while he was living in a nursing home, she spent the next 15 years at least in a perpetual state of fight and flight. And that caused me to try and make things better for her while I was personally living through my own state of fight and flight. And with that dynamic, I very much tethered my sense of whether I was doing things right or wrong by whether it made my mom happier or whether it made her more stressed. And the difficulty here, though, is that, you know, you're trying to protect your mother on the one hand, while also being a teenager and doing all the things that teenagers do, uh, which is to test limits and take risks. So while doing my own growing and experimenting with what worked for me as an individual back then, I was also hyper aware of every move that I made and how it triggered my mother. So I then disconnected from my own truth in a major way. And then I often doubted my choices because I was measuring it on whether my mom was feeling happy or stressed as to whether the thing that I was doing was right or wrong. So if I did want to do things like pursuing acting as a career, which I did at one point, for example, which can make any parent scared, what I would do is I would still actually do the thing while at the same time hating on myself for terrifying my mother and then wondering whether I was doing the right thing. So I had this very screwed up sense of self-judgment. And this mechanism, which I developed as a child, it needed some real updating in order for me to get to a point where I could feel into my own body and finally allow my own wisdom to inform me in a way that I deeply trusted. What do I think? regardless of how it makes other people think about me or, or regardless of what other people think is right for me to really be able to hold myself in that. And so I say that in terms of you identifying what it is about you in your belief systems that you need to update in order to get to a point where you can really trust your own judgment regardless of what other people might say, to follow your truth. This is a journey to get here. And then the next part of that is I also needed to know that I'd be able to hold myself no matter what happened. So my meditation practice, plus my decision to leave the news to teach meditation, plus my decision to move countries to become a news anchor in Israel, and finding my way through each of these changes worked as ways of cultivating a trust in myself that no matter what happens in my inner world, which is what I developed based on my meditation practice, no matter what feeling I feel, and then no matter what happens in the outside world, no matter how circumstances change, because I've put myself through so many different situations where circumstances changed, that I can trust that I'll be okay. And the thing about this style of meditation is that it actually trains the nervous system to be able to hack great demands and uncertainty. So by doing this meditation practice and then taking that resilience out into the world and practicing it over and over again, you start to develop 
this trust in yourself that you will be able to hold yourself no matter what happens. It actually puts you in a position where you are able to feel the fear and do it anyway. And part of the fear is recognizing that you can't know everything. You can only know what you know right now. You can only work with what you've got at the time and recognizing that the only way you will know more is by taking action. So feeling into the discomfort and fear with a deep trust in the universe, this is what allowed me to disengage from my relationship. And it wasn't just one fell swoop. There were lots of wobbly knees, believe me. But the universe had been speaking to me through my body and through real life experiences. But I didn't want to listen to it because my heart, my heart loves him. My soul sees him. Our connection is deep and our connection is old and our energies are so beautiful together. And we've also established history and comfort and familiarity. I mean, I'd even bought a wedding dress. My friends and family were primed to fly in from overseas for the wedding. We had plans to start trying for a baby. We had dreams and we'd invested so much in each other and we'd weathered the storms of life and we deepened our bond and just, oh, my heart, how it loves him. I love him so, so much. And then there was this other knowing in my body and that knowing to describe what that was linked to is not relevant to mention in this open format, but I'll tell you that it kept screaming at me. And the universe works like this. It shows you something. It presents you with something. And it says, here, pay attention to this. Now, if you ignore it, it shouts louder. So it's like saying, okay, so if that's not good enough, pay attention to this. And if you ignore it, it shouts louder. Okay, if that's not good enough, pay attention to this. And it keeps getting louder and louder and louder until I knew that, okay, Tracy. If you keep going in this direction, ignoring the knowing with inner signals and outer signals, time after time after time, you are going into this with eyes wide open. So you have two choices, both of which are totally allowed. The first is you go in, you keep going with what you've got and you're actively choosing a life with this thing hitting you in the face over and over again. You will go in, you will embrace all of the parts as it is with all the love and all the other bits and that's the one choice and that's a fine choice to make and that will bring with it a particular kind of experience. or you openly look and listen to the universe. You listen to the fear, which is trying to communicate with you. You stop ignoring it. You stop avoiding it and look directly into its jaws. And you allow that fear to speak to you and allow it to guide you. And that choice is also fine. Because here's the thing about fear. The idea isn't to push the fear away or just to live with the fear. The idea is to follow the fear. That fear is taking you to where you need to go. It's asking you to listen. What is this fear really trying to say? When you can sit down with your fear, 
and ask it questions. You'll be able to see what it is you're supposed to do. So you can take out a journal and write a letter to your fear and ask it, what do you want me to know? This was an amazing exercise that I did with a dear friend and an amazing facilitator called Zoe Flammenbaum. You can follow her. And I have absolutely no doubt I'll be interviewing her for a podcast episode. But here's what she got us to do on my urban retreat, because I oftentimes bring in facilitators to enhance the work that I'm doing. And she got us to write a letter back to our fear. And I'm telling you what this exercise reveals is revolutionary because your choices become clear. Now to remind you, there is no wrong choice. All we are ever doing is research, but what there is, is a choice. So we must accept our choices. We must at least be cool and compassionate with whatever we choose. But just remember, we can choose to stick with what we've got which will bring whatever adventure that brings. And we can also choose to fold the cards in favor of a different hand, and that will bring whatever that brings. But it's important to discern between choosing with a sense of lack and scarcity and a lack of self-worth and a lack of self-respect and deserving power and choosing with love and abundance and self-worth and self-respect. We must realize that the former is limiting but we need to be okay with ourselves if we choose that road. We need to be compassionate because we are making that choice for whatever reason we're making it. And we needn't beat ourselves up over any choice that we make. That's just a waste of time. So we can lighten the load on ourselves. Whatever you choose is fine. There is learning in every single step and every path you take. So my thoughts on decision-making are this. Life is not to be taken too seriously that we cripple ourselves, but we should take ourselves seriously enough to play fully. We need to take ourselves seriously enough that we cultivate the courage to make choices, to make the hard choices, to make mistakes, to take risks and to learn from them so that we aren't taking life so seriously and catastrophizing that we are paralyzed. So this means that we're not shying away from the scary choices just because they're scary. Because let me remind you, this is your life. And your life is one to take seriously. And your life is glorious and abundant. And most of the time, we are limiting ourselves because we have the belief that life isn't kind or that we can't trust people or that relationships are really hard. Whatever the limiting beliefs are, these are often stopping us from listening to that knowing, which knows what true alignment feels like. That knowing knows what the truth of the universe really is and what is right for us. So the question is, What would I do if I wasn't afraid? And truly, with humility, we can never know what the net result of something is. We can never know that something we're judging as quote unquote bad stays bad. We can never know the flow on effects that this is the thing that becomes the best thing that you ever did. 
not only for yourself, but for everyone around you, for your sphere of influence, for the person or the environment that is directly impacted by your choice. It might be the best thing for them. So all we can know is what the next right step is for us, even if it leads us back to the same space at another time, because part of your journey is the choosing against it, even if even if we end up re-choosing it one day, that's part of the game. Giving yourself full permission to make this choice now, knowing that it's part of the journey which may lead you right back to re-engaging with the thing you once disengaged from. But the only thing that you can do is to allow yourself to truly follow what is right for you. And yes, there will be consequences. But those consequences aren't to be feared. If you're acting from a heart-led, compassionate, respectful, high vibration place, and you've developed the skills to hold yourself through the emotional ride of it all, you do not need to fear the consequences. Now, this whole process of disengagement, what is it really about? It's really about the skill of letting go, right? Allowing something to come to an end letting go of something that's no longer relevant, even though there are parts of it or there might be parts of it that you still want to keep and parts of it that you still value. This applies now to all decision-making, letting go of people or relationships, but also letting go of any phase, any place, any environment, any situation or circumstance. When we hold on to something because of fear of letting it go, even if it's a belief system or a behavior or a habit, When we're in resistance to the end of something because we don't trust ourselves to hold ourselves through the loss or we don't trust that a more accurate season is on its way, we suffer. When we won't let go, we keep ourselves stuck in a place where we aren't aligned for fear of the ability to realign more gracefully, which ultimately keeps us in misalignment forever. So rather than giving yourself a chance that you might actually realign more gracefully if you try something new in a different way or in a different place entirely, the fear that you won't find alignment guarantees that you won't find alignment because you just stay the same out of alignment where you are currently. So it's actually counterintuitive. The only way of finding that harmony is to try something new. Now, as I mentioned before, listening to your body is also important in allowing yourself to go through the hard and scary process of letting go and letting whatever needs to come up, come up on the other side of making the call. Taking the time to let others in on the decision. You only need to bring others up to speed when you choose respecting your timeline and your tenderness and your own boundaries and your own healing journey, always asking yourself what serves you and making sure you're doing what you need to do when you feel you need to do it. And yes, sure, it might still be scary to do the next hard thing. Of course, we're talking about doing uncomfortable things, but at least you can now hold yourself from a resourced place if you're doing it when you have created that steadiness inside. And the other part of getting through the other side of having made the decision is to feel your feelings. Cry, shout, dance, move, stretch, 
cry again, isolate, reach out, take support, ignore incoming calls, call a friend, do whatever the bleep you want and let it change as you meet each moment step by step. No judgment, just a full surrender and allowing. And something else I've found really helpful is not planning too far ahead. All you need to be able to deal with is the next right thing. Break it down into feeling into the moment and working out what needs to happen next, just the next thing. And once that is clear and you've reached that moment, then allow the next right step to reveal itself from wherever you are then. There needs to be an allowance of a dynamism and a fluidity and a meeting yourself where you are in every moment with a lot of tenderness and compassion. And sometimes the last thing we want to do is actually look after ourselves when we're grieving or in fear or pain. And what's helped me is to make sure that I prioritize my self-care. Do the meditation, even though you don't want to, because I guarantee you will feel totally reset and new and strong afterwards. And you'll be better at being able to identify the next right thing. Plus, while I'm all about the inside out, get strong on the inside because we all know that these outside fixes are temporary. <laughs> In times of tenderness, I tend to be a little bit more forgiving. This is when I'm all about the treat yourself, you know? Of course, no retail therapy will solve your problems. It will not help you to become resilient. A massage will not help you cope long-term and give you life-enhancing belief systems so that you can continue to evolve in a positive direction. But these are things that in addition to the inner work, doing the meditation, going to the breathwork session, seeing a therapist, doing mindset coaching, they absolutely take the edge off the soreness. So go for a yummy dinner with your friends, get your hair done, take warm baths with candles, get a facial, do those things. Allow it to be easy. You don't need to muscle through. If you tend to be one of those self-help hardcore purists, because you've already done a freaking huge thing. Your nervous system has already dealt with a lot. So don't make it all hard all at once. Be gentle. Life is meant to be fun and joyous. So definitely cultivate more of those things in times when that part of your life is feeling out of balance. And yes, doing the hard yakka toughens you up. Hard yakka, that might be an Aussie expression for like the hard work, but be careful because if you do too much pushing, you actually cause a trauma in your body that doesn't need to be there. So we absolutely need those extra things to kind of hold us and nurture us and soothe us through the process. Okay, and then what about when it comes to dealing with the guilt and the pain that you might feel in disengaging from someone? This is oftentimes my big Achilles heel, that empathetic part of my system has this other side to it, which is oftentimes looking at how the other person feels, which can cause me to negate my own needs. So this can be a tricky one if you identify with that kind of state in your own emotional world. So I will say, you know, this is hard, but it's all about trusting that if you have made this choice for the highest good, that this will ultimately come to serve you both. Everyone has the ability to deal with heartbreak. 
And as I said to my ex when we parted, we both chose to be here for as long as we did every single day. So there is no blame. There is no fault. There is no any of that. We will both feel heartbreak in our own flavors and with our own stories and with our own reasons. And we are both allowed to honor that. And it is our individual choice, how honest we want to get with ourselves, what we choose to take from it, how we choose to grow and learn from it, what we choose to ignore, what we don't even know we're ignoring. We just need to trust the path and whatever the experience teaches each of us. So with respect to the person that you love, wish their path to be easy and then respect their ability to navigate it, knowing that it's ultimately a gift rather than deciding they can't cope with it which then makes you feel guilty, like you cause them pain that they won't be able to deal with, they will have some respect for them, right? And they will do so in whatever way they know how and in whatever way they need to. And it's important for us to honor that for them. But the focus also now needs to come back to your own knowing and what you need in order to keep walking the difficult steps in the new direction that you chose with the faith that this will only further strengthen you and realign you with the accurate space for the next stage. And if you are an empathetic person, then you do have the capacity to hold both their pain and your pain in your heart. And if it makes you feel good, you can heal things for the both of you. But I'd also encourage you to leave that with the other because this is their blessing and their growth and they will learn from it, whatever they do. And you can also learn to just strengthen that muscle inside of yourself, which allows you to just say, ow, this hurts me in my way. And I need to learn from this, whatever I need to learn from this with love for you, for them, for the whole situation. And then what about missing them? Well, here's where meditation really helps because I've been meditating for 14 years and over time, over time is the important piece, but over time, you're able to develop a part of your consciousness that recognizes that the person you're missing hasn't really gone anywhere. Now that might sound really weird <laughs> or it might sound spot on to you, but the only part of them you're missing is their physical body and being in a particular state of interaction with their mind and personality or engaging in particular tasks with that environment. But missing someone, I'm sure you already know, doesn't mean that you have to re-engage. You can just miss them. So when we miss them, we can remember that they haven't really gone. We just can't see them with our own eyes and interact with them in a way that exists in the manifest world. But what we can do, if it helps, is to engage with that memory and that feeling and tap into that and feel them if we can imagine it. We can spend some moments dipping into our imagination and feeling them and talking to them and enjoying them. We can still feel them without that longing, with an actual permission to really just tap into that and be there again and smile at that. Now, that might not feel good enough, 
But then let's come back to the reality of the situation. To re-engage in a physical way also then brings with it a fuller picture that you don't choose. So instead, we can pacify ourselves in those moments in the way that nurtures us with a smile of the good, of the part that you're missing, the love that is still there. That container of love is still there in this beautiful kind of capsule in time that you can then dip into in your cellular memory. We can feel it in our hearts and we can honor it and we can smile at it. And that's what's so beautiful about it is that it hasn't gone anywhere and we can re-engage with the parts that we want to re-engage with in a safe way without having to then take on the other parts that we chose against. Plus, this is where the work comes in, in that grief, being able to hold yourself through the feeling, cry and miss, long and grieve, tune into the part of the interaction that you feel they enlivened in you and acknowledge that sense of emptiness that you perceive to be there and ask the question, this is the work part, why is there an emptiness there? How perhaps was I using this interaction to fill something in me and discern whether that interaction was fulfilling something in you or whether this was just a place where you were expressing your fulfillment and then ultimately that interaction reached an expiration date and that's fine. All cycles can come to an end because the fact is that the outside world is a place where we share our fulfillment and we share our love. It's not a place that we use to plug a hole inside of ourselves because that's not sustainable. Then we're constantly reliant on the outside world to do the job for us, to make us feel happy. But that's not what we want. We don't want to have to be needy. So we must be honest with ourselves through this process. Is there some work that I need to do to cultivate a sense of fulfillment in me? so that I don't need that place or that person to fulfill me. And this is the part that we luckily can actually do something about because as a result of our meditation practice, we can once again tune into the fullness inside of ourselves. We can start to develop an intimate relationship and stabilize that part of ourself that is complete and whole. And it's in that completeness and wholeness that everything already exists. Let me say that again. It's in that completeness and that wholeness, that part of you, that everything already exists. So if you exist in there, so do they. In that soup of the wholeness, you are still and are already and are always connected to them. And plus, we remember that our fulfillment is not reliant on them. Our fulfillment is ever present. And we remember that life is now there for us to bring our fulfillment in a different way or into a different place. And then we need to return to a state of play in our real lives. So we move through that missing phase and that grieving and that reminding and that dipping into our wholeness. And then rather than dwelling and focusing on the place that we've no longer chosen to stay with, then it's about tuning back in to what we'd like to cultivate now and where we would like to bring our fulfillment, where needs our fulfillment, what is the need of the time. 
So we tune into our worthiness and our gifts and all the love that we have to give. And we bring that into a space that feels right for us. There are so many places to express your love and share your love and places that are so open to receiving your love in a place that feels safe and deserving. And when you realize that you are this well of love, you can keep your heart open and be discerning as to the places where it naturally wants to flow from a place of joy and mutual respect for yourself and for the recipient. So we fill ourselves with love and that reminding of our fulfillment. And then we take that fulfillment and that love out into the world in a place that is relevant. And remember, this is a practice. We need to practice doing this. We need to actively do this. We need to remind ourselves and take ourselves through the process over and over and over again until it just starts happening by itself with less effort. We're training and strengthening our inner muscles and there's just no way around it. Otherwise, we just go straight back into the same old patterns that would then make this whole journey of untethering not worth it because you just went through the pain of disengagement and the bravery and the courage just to then repeat the same pattern elsewhere. So we need to use this and we need to actively have discipline to take ourselves through this process to be vulnerable and to learn how to dip back into worthiness and dip back into what we truly want to know and to honor the chapter that is now over and take ownership of the evolutionary process and the upgrade and use it wisely. Don't just avoid the pain. You know that that doesn't help you. Don't just remain ignorant to the parts of you that led to this decision to disengage in the first place. In a moment of tenderness in the heart, remember your bigness. Don't forget, remember the parts of you that called for this upgrade. The fear leads the way. Whatever fear is coming in, look at it. Ask it a question. What is it trying to tell you? What is it trying to remind you? How is it trying to encourage you? And see what that fear might have even forgotten about the truth, the truth about abundance and love and cycles and resilience and divinity. You know, you have that knowing. You're just a bit sore. You're just a bit scared. So you can hold both at once. Small self, that small self you, that nervous system, that human body of yours that's feeling all these very human feelings and the big self, the big part of you that knows the truth. And one last thing, there is a very real physiological part to all of this too, because love, as they say, is a drug, a great drug, but a drug nonetheless, meaning drugs cause a cascade of hormones and chemicals in our body, which cause us to feel a particular way. And love does the same thing chemical reactions in our body. And the experience of love causes this cascade of hormones to saturate our body so that when we are experiencing that love through a person or a place or an activity, we are then associating that chemical cascade with that place or person. 
And then when we break away from the source of that chemical surge, our body craves it and it thinks to get it from that same source because that's where it remembers it got it from before. So that's why when we disengage from something that causes a chemical response in our body, those rose-tinted glasses come back on. Actually, anxiety works the exact same way. If you are afraid of dogs and every time you run away from a dog, you will get that surge of happy hormones because you allowed yourself to stay safe. So that tells you that every time you see a dog, you should run away because your body is wanting that hit of happy hormones. So we actually have to retrain ourselves to stay in in, the, in an environment where a dog is actually safe for us and learn to get that same surge of happy hormones by re-engaging with dogs that are actually safe. <laughs> and in the situation of love, we forget what was causing us pain and what was not sustainable in that interaction. And we only remember the good. It's the mind trying to lure us back to that hormonal trigger so that our body can get the hit. It's an addiction or a habit that we now need to break if we decide to disengage, if we decide to break that habit. So these memories and feelings that can come up to remind us how much we love that thing, they can at times be misleading. So we do need to use a level of discernment here because they can make us think that we need to go back there to get it. That actually maybe it wasn't so bad. Maybe it's okay to have the cigarette. Maybe it's okay to eat the chocolate. Maybe it's okay to see that person, but that's just the craving and it's part of the detox. And over time, those cravings will decrease in strength and you'll also find other more healthy and sustainable ways to experience that same dopamine rush, oxytocin burst. And meditation is also a beautiful way of smoothing over those rough sensations because we get that oxytocin burst and all those happy hormones every time we meditate. And over time, you can start to lean back behind the eyes and just acknowledge the feeling without having to act on it. And the last piece is forgive. Forgive it all. This is a journey, a beautiful, messy perfection. Show up for yourself. Don't let shame, pride, or fear of pain stand in the way of you going after what you want. Fight for what you want. Allow what you want to come in. Allow yourself to be open to receiving it. Soften the heart for yourself and others. We are all doing our best. So I think that's enough about that. <laughs> Disengagements are sore and tender and they require courage and bravery. I keep saying that because that's what I keep telling myself. But there are things we can do to hold ourselves through it. So know that if you do feel wobbly, you're supposed to. Self-doubt and fear of regret is normal. But what we are building here is trust in ourselves that we do know and that the universe is abundant. And that when we live in alignment with our truth, we are rewarded every time. Now, if you feel this episode could be helpful to someone, please share it. And please also rate and leave a review if you like this episode. And if you didn't, that's fine. You can just leave this here and no need to take any action. 
And if you'd like to connect further and join the Home of Sapien community where I share pocket-sized insights and reminders, follow me on Instagram at home.of.sapien or on my personal page at tracyalexander underscore underscore. And if you're looking for some support for your nervous system to calm your mind and restore your body so that you can feel safe inside of yourself and be able to actually integrate new belief structures, well, head to my website. That's www.tracyalexander.co and sign up for my alignment system. You can also subscribe to my newsletter on my website and you'll receive a free guided meditation and you'll also then receive weekly updates and inspirational articles to help you create greater alignment in your life. All right, don't forget that you are amazing. Give yourself a big hug from me. I cannot believe episode one is done. And of course, episode two will continue in the format of interviews. And then there'll also be some check-ins from me doing solo episodes just like this one. And remember that I've got you, but most of all, you've got you. And let's keep changing the world one heart-led soul at a time.